welcome to another bonus episode on the presidents. Uh, we have been talking a lot about the historical context of the president, but one of the things about the American presidency is it is a very heavily mediated position. It pops up not just as a character in our politics, but a character in our pop culture, and specifically in that most American of pop culture mediums, the movies. We love the movies, hey, don't we, folks? We love it. Let's all go to the lobby. So, this episode, we are talking about how the U.S. president has been portrayed in films throughout its history. And to do that, we have the senior proponent and uh, expert in Menneker movie mindset. That is, Chapo Trap has his own Will Menneker. Welcome to the pod, Will. Hello. Thanks for having me on your podcast, uh, 1600 Getting Head Sylvania Avenue. <laughs> yes. I can't believe we didn't think of that one. Wait, you haven't named the show yet? Not okay. really, no. no, but that would be a really good one. That's honestly top of the pile for me. The bit at this point is that every episode has a new name for the show because we haven't landed on one. But So that is the name of this episode. Yeah. So we're talking about the presidents in movies. Gentlemen, how do you want to uh, start this one? So my thought was we could go through uh, chronologically because... It's fascinating. I went. I was looking through this, and even though our most important pre- presidents, from the point of view of like America's uh, self-image, are in the early era, you know, those founders, and then of course Lincoln is like sort of the the last founder. They are relatively rarely portrayed in film. Uh, for example, the father of our country, George Washington, has essentially no iconic screen. Uh, embodiments. Uh, I I see. I see. Someone has not seen Hamilton. Alexander. Well, they, Alexander. that isn't even a real movie. Yeah, that's not a real movie. The closest thing you could say is John Voight in American Carol. Uh, <laughs> if anyone remembers that movie, that was the movie that one of the Zucker brothers who went crazy after nine eleven did with a. Uh, uh, Chris Farley's brother. Yeah, it was very much. It was a Bush era, like uh, like uh, one of the first forays into like owning libs in their own backyard in the movie industry. It was a yeah Zucker Brothers comedy where uh, Chris Farley's brother plays Michael Moore, who gets taken on a Christmas Carol like journey through uh, the American past, future, and present, guided by John Voight as George Washington. Yep, and he really does embody the character of uh, someone uh, with no actual teeth in their head uh, suffering from some sort of uh, senility. So it was it was an incredibly vivid performance, as was Kelsey, Gra- Kelsey Grammer's as uh, General George S. Patton. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He played Butch in that one. The only tossed salads and scrambled eggs he was looking at were were amongst the Wehrmacht. When you, when you put your hand into a pile of tossed salad and scrambled <laughs> eggs, it was your best friend's face. You'll know what to do, Niles. <laughs> they, they show up not in a lot of films. They're, it's not a very well-documented th- period in uh, at least modern filmmaking. Like oh, the, I was going to say, do, do any of the Founding Fathers show up in, in the Bill and Ted movies? Oh, uh, no, just Lincoln. Okay. Lincoln, Lincoln yes. is, is uh, famously says, be excellent to each other and party on, dudes. Um, and what about, like, I mean, Brent Franklin was probably the most uh, yeah, popular Franklin, character. Not a president. Yeah, definitely the most likely to appear on screen in some way. Lincoln feels like he when he shows up in movies, it's usually played for laughs. Like you got to go back to the like in yeah. Bill and Ted, like you got to go back to the past and see a U.S. president. Who are you going to get? It's Abraham Lincoln. Uh, he shows up in the Lego movie played by Will Forte. He's in, uh, of course, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Bedazzled, he shows up Ooh. as, you know, it's, it's that kind of thing where it's like you need a goofy cameo from you American past. Why not? easily our most uh uh reverence worthy president well the thing is is it's he's not just reverent 
uh, he's also packed with stereotypical uh, accoutrements that make him pop. Like, yes. if you show a guy in a top hat with a beard and no mustache, it's always Lincoln. A guy in a fucking powdered wig could kind of be any of them from yeah. the founding generation. Like, I mean, George Washington was the tallest of them. He was he was a giant. He compared was five to the rest three. Of yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but other than that, uh, you know, they don't pop. They don't have a singular look. Lincoln, among presidents, is blessed with that singular look, uh, which makes him, I think, a, a choice for a punchline because he just is visually, oh, Lincoln, as opposed to, oh, powdered hat guy number four. So there's very few George Washington performances that have any uh, note. The only ones that came to my mind were from TV. Uh, Jeff Daniels played him in a TNT movie about the Battle of Trenton. Uh, and then David Morris played him in the John Adams miniseries, which is also the only place that I really think of when I think of John Adams, played by the god John Paul Giamatti. Uh, but let us not actual- forget, let us not forget Stannis Baratheon as Thomas Jefferson. In yes, that that's true. Uh, and uh, Tom Wilkinson as uh, Benjamin Franklin for great work there. Uh, and the only real screen uh, representation of Adams with any kind of uh, legacy is William Daniels in 1776 obnoxious and disliked and he has the one song where he sings he sings in uh his letters to abigail about saltpeter i still remember <laughs> that from having to watch it in like american history survey when i was in high school being taught by the diff, uh football coach we watched so many movies in that <laughs> Matt class that was being taught america she was being taught american history through musicals and his football cl- coach taught class american history x <laughs> <laughs> The only relatively recent film to feature one of the founding fathers in, in, a, in a leading role was, and this is now, this movie is now over 20 years old, uh, Jefferson in Paris. Uh, oh, right. It was like a merchant ivory film with Nick Nolte as Thomas Nick Jefferson. And it was, it was very like a sort of an erotic historical romance. Yes. It was like a Mr. and Mrs. Erotic American. Yes. With his, uh, with his slave mistress. Yeah. Which it was sort of a, ooh, wouldn't yeah. Wouldn't go today, to put it, to put it <laughs> that's lightly. A, that's a yikes for me, fam. That's, everyone gets a yikes on that one. <laughs> I love the idea of Nick Nolte playing Thomas Jefferson, though. He's just like, oh, God damn it, I'm going to, there's too much crap in the Bible. I'm fucking take it out. I'm gonna take out all the bullshit. I'm taking out all the bullshit. Walk it on water. I got that's a lot of these miracles are happening. So, like Thomas Jefferson, one of the founders of the country, only really embodied on screen by a two thirds hungover Nick Nolte, which just goes to show how 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 relatively. Uh, impoverished this is well, this no, genre i think really the, the, like the, the best actual portrayals is all in that hbo john adams miniseries because yeah. i thought Stephen delane did a great job like sort yes of, uh, i thought he did a great job portraying thomas jefferson's sort of very uh sort of princely and skewed morality about yes. about slavery and the american founding rufus sewell's uh played uh hamilton in that and both of them like the the big protagonists of that early american generation uh, are portrayed as creeps, yeah. which is much more accurate than picking one and saying that he's based and the other one is cringe, which is what <laughs> a lot of things like Hamilton tried to do. The reality is they were both fucking creeps. They were both cringe. <laughs> yeah, they were and both they, absolutely cringe. You're declaring cl- cringe to the king of England. <laughs> so moving a little bit forward, one of the most iconic American presidents and our recent president's most favorite president, uh, Andrew Jackson, the great, uh, our great popularizer, the first great democratic leader, has only really been notably portrayed uh, on screen twice and both times by Charlton Heston. 
Charlton, Charlton Heston, Heston played Andrew Jackson twice. Twice. Once in a leading role in the romance The President's Lady, which is about <laughs> his marriage to uh, Rachel Donaldson. You're a murderer! You killed Charles Dickinson in cold blood. That's no, all. No, no. I defended my honor. He was killed in a fair duel. You stole another man's wife. I stole no man's wife. Uh, which... Honestly, the, I haven't seen that film, but the title is misleading because she famously died the Christmas after he was elected. And that's one of the reasons. <laughs> so never the president's lady. She was never the no. president's lady. He, it should be the, the president-elect's lady. Yeah, at most. <laughs> that doesn't or roll like, off. The, that's, not, that's not filling the seats. Yeah, the president's former lady or something. <laughs> and then he played in a supporting role uh, in the film The Buccaneer, which is mostly about uh, the main character is the pirate Jean Lafitte who fought at the Battle of New Orleans and Heston has a supporting role as as uh. Jackson bringing him into uh, the military unit. So it's sort of like Michael Keaton playing uh, Ray Nicolette in Yeah, and uh, Jackie Brown and, and Out of Sight. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, but that's like it. That. Once, that's it. There's no say, real Jackson. The only portrayal of Andrew Jackson that I really care about are the stacks in my pocket. Am I right? <laughs> That's the only Jacksons that I Absolutely. care about. I am securing my bag of Jacksons. I do also want to bring up that Lionel Barrymore played Jackson twice. One in a movie that I have never heard of before looking this up called The Gorgeous Hussy, which is about, of course, about the... <laughs> I'm putting that one straight into the queue. <laughs> which is, of course, Matt, a direct dramatization of the Petticoat Affair. They truly don't make them like they used to. As like a 30s raunchy comedy. I'm sure that Peggy Eaton would have been happy to know when she was alive, hey, you know, I know right now that you're being shunned by all of DC's elite and, and Mrs. Calhoun won't invite you over to her house for tea cakes. Don't worry. In about uh, 70, 80 years, there's going to be this fantastic device uh, called called a, a a motion picture camera, and it's going to allow visual stories to be shown to people. <laughs> and in it, and there's going to be one about you and about your story and the way you were handled in Washington. And what's it going to be called? Uh, the gorgeous hussy. <laughs> I'm sure she'd be thrilled. Now you guys all know how much of a uh, a not fan would be the word, but how much of uh, a interest I take in in our underrated eighth president, Martin Van Buren. And he's only been on screen once, to my knowledge, uh, with of note, and that was played by Nigel Hawthorne in Steven Spielberg's Amistad, about the Amistad slave uh, ship affair. And I got to say, they do him dirty, if anyone has seen that movie. Uh, he is kind of a, a frail, absent-minded goof who kind of doesn't know, doesn't really want to get his hands dirty with the whole so thing. He's not the old fox of he Kinderhook. He's not the old fox of Kinderhook. And of course, by the time he was president, he had certainly lost a step or he two. He wasn't quite as foxy anymore. He was not as foxy. <laughs> and his performance in, in, in the presidency is marked by that. Like he did not, he, the, the tools that got him there were not the ones that could help him prosper there. But I don't think he was anywhere near as sort of spacey and and goofy and ineffectual as, as, as Nigel Hawthorne talking, uh, makes him. Amistad, another one of uh, Steven Spielberg's, uh, I would say, one of his better lecture movies. Yes, I think absolutely. Amistad is actually a very underrated Spielberg movie. It's got, like, unlike got, a lot got, of those, it has some actual, like, uh, arresting visual segments and set Yeah, pieces. absolutely. I mean, and then you got, of course, Anthony Hopkins as John Quincy Adams. Yes. Who, you know, that that's another of the early American presidents to be uh, portrayed in a movie. It portrayed by Sir Anthony Hopkins. Yes, another, Anthony getting Topkins, another <laughs> person who played more than one U.S. president. 
Yes. Well, we'll get we'll get to. I'm sure you're, we're going to get to the oh, yes, Oliver Stone Nixon. Uh, uh, obviously, none of the presidents between Van Buren and, and Lincoln have any notable screen performances because they're it's the it's the dustbin of history for all of them. But I would just like to say that it's not too late for somebody to make a movie about Millard Fillmore and cast Alec Baldwin because present day Alec Baldwin looks almost identical to Millard Fillmore when he was in office. And I just don't think that that kind of uh, uncanny parallel should go wasted. I know Millard Fillmore is not a particularly sexy topic, but somebody should figure out a way. I think there's ways. Fillmore had some interesting stuff happening because Alec Baldwin's just crying out to be Millard Fillmore. And as long as we're on the topic, I mean, I think it's time now for a film adaptation of the beloved newspaper cartoon strip Mallard Fillmore. <laughs> Alec Baldwin could be great in that, too. Or maybe, yeah. no, that would have to be Stephen Baldwin. Yeah, it would have to be for a ideological conservative yes. Baldwin. Uh, so we move, of course, to the last of the great early generation of presidents, Abraham Lincoln, who is... Probably the most on film president. As it, it makes sense because he is also the president who has had the most books written about him, uh, one of the most iconic figures in American history. But relatively few films uh, have sort of stood the test of time with him as the main character. Uh, when I think about it, it really is only two theatrical films anyway. It's Young Mr. Lincoln. It's the John John mm-hmm. Ford did The that, John right? Ford yeah. film with Henry Fonda. And then, uh, of course, Daniel Day-Lewis. Spielberg, yeah. In the defining uh, performance, I saw someone online uh, say that they went and saw Lincoln, and there were some uh, older people behind them. And when the movie started and he starts talking, one of them said, oh, he sounds just like him. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the, the interesting thing about uh, Daniel Day-Lewis's performance uh, as, as Lincoln, which is, is funny because like yeah, there, there's very little go off of in terms of like, you know, <laughs> what he sounded like. But he plays him very sort of like a more high pitch. He plays him sort of as a tenor. And whether any of you or anyone else knows it, I know I need this. This amendment is that cure. We're stepped out upon the world stage now, now, with the fate of human dignity in our hands. Blood's been spilt to afford us this moment, now, now, now. Which I think was based on contemporaneous that accounts. That is his name. His uh, voice was but, described that way. Yeah. And like people weren't expecting that because they think Lincoln to be this this booming, sonorous voice, four score, like seven years Q- ago. The Bill and Ted Lincoln. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And then also Daniel Day-Lewis, too. I think people like, you know, coming off of There Will Be Blood, people were expecting him to just be like, I'm sorry, Sal. Your slaves, they're gone. <laughs> they're gone. <laughs> they're dead. They're dead. <laughs> Emancipation proclamation. <laughs> Honestly, that might have been a better movie because Lincoln is a movie I loved when I watched it. And I think it still has parts that are very effective. And I think that Day-Lewis, it's annoying because it's so obvious. Like, of course, Daniel Day-Lewis playing Lincoln would do great. And he is. He's great. I'm sorry. Yeah, he's no, it's, in it's, it's a great. It's, uh, he's very good. He has he, he he. What he does is he conveys the he Lincoln. Miss. I mean, he he doesn't yeah. miss. He when, conveys, you, when you got an actor like DDL, you yeah. can't go wrong. But more, most importantly, it's because he conveys the Lincoln that you think of when you imagine him, as in someone who is human and someone who has uh, a great capacity for humor, but not at like in any kind of insecure, nasty sense. Like you know, just a guy spinning yarns. They they always talked about Lincoln as a yarn spinner, and uh, and they definitely get that part of it. But then also, you know, all the anguish, the the, the depression, the dead kids, the Civil War. Like he actually conveys the crazy wife. The, he conveys the uh, he conveys the heaviness of that, and it's very good. 
There's a, so, there's a there's a good scene in Lincoln that refers to the yarn spinning, where I think it's like his uh, his Secretary of Defense, played by Bruce McCullough. Yeah, is Bruce, they're waiting for uh, to- Bruce McGill. Bruce yes. McGill, sorry, no, Bruce Edwin McCullough Stanton. Kids of Hall. No, Bruce McGill, <laughs> D-Day from Animal House. That would have been some performance. D-Day from Animal House and the uh, the uh, Mississippi DA from uh, Insider. Um, but yeah, like like he's he's doing his yarn. Well, they're waiting for telegrams about like the results of a battle, and everyone's losing their mind. And Lincoln just goes off in one of his stem winders about like President. Uh, yeah, yeah, about uh, Nathan. Hay- going to England or something. And, and, and Bruce McGill is just like, oh, I can't take it anymore. Can <laughs> I take one of these stories? Yes, that's, uh, that was accurate, too, because Stanton uh, was a pre-war Democrat, uh, did not like Lincoln at all, and fr- had a lot of friction with him early in the uh, presidency. But by the end of it, he had come around uh, largely to his point of view, t- to the point that he became the entire f- point of friction between uh, Andrew Johnson and the, uh, the re- Reconstruction Republican Congress. He's the one who said after Lincoln was shot, now he belongs to the angels. Uh, I agree with you guys that the performance there, I think, really wins in the in its moments of uh, frailty, uh, I would say, frailty in, in contemplation. And to that, I would say, given how we discuss Lincoln in our episode, I, I what I think that movie really gets across well is uh, Lincoln's ability to evolve his opinion as, as times go and kind of as it focuses on the passage of the 13th Amendment, his progress from something that that could be done to something that should be done to something that must be done yeah but unfortunately it's undercut by the just compulsive very insecure uh wahhabist liberalism of of (laughs) steven spielberg trying to force the the message uh, of his eternal message of american whig progressiveness and the necessity for for working within the system because the fundamental absurdity of the movie and its argument that Thaddeus Stevens and his demand to remake the South revolutionarily. Tommy Lee Jones is great. He's great in it. The character is underserved when by he the says, material. Yeah, he says a new empire forged in the blood of the traitor's blood. Yes, that was, and that was the only way forward. I think we can all acknowledge that. And the film implicitly and explicitly uh, makes renders him an absurd figure uh, because as Lincoln knows, and as we all know uh, from our you know smug person in the 21st century, that's not how it works. You've got to do things like bribe people to pass the 13th Amendment. But the thing that kind of gets glossed over in the film about that, and it really is kind of mind-blowing to think of, is that the only way they're able to do that, the only way they're able to get those votes for that uh, abolition vote at the end where they peel the, the bells and everyone's excited, it's the thing that made that happen was not those you know, bribing people with uh, postal, uh, James Spader and John Hawks characters. Yeah. And like doing, uh, and, and getting Stevens to Walton Goggins to betray his, uh, his kin back in Missouri or whatever. So that he can, so he can be postmaster of the Western reserve. (laughs) And it it wasn't, uh, have, you know, it wasn't, uh, having Stevens swallow his pride and deny what he felt in his heart about black equality. It was the fact that all the Southern States had left the union and were in the process of being destroyed militarily. In a fucking war, there was there was no <laughs> there was no regular politics there. The conditions were revolutionary. Oh, speaking of a uh, uh, American president, uh, we can we can check another one off the list. In Lincoln, you have Jared Harris play Ulysses S. Grant. Yes, mm-hmm. a, a fine performance. He doesn't have a lot to do because Grant is another it's a character. Small, it's a small role, but I mean, again, when you got actors like Jared Harris playing American presidents, you can't go wrong. You're playing with house money. Uh, so I just like to say about Lincoln. The uh, as Chris said, there was that goofy movie, uh, Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter, uh, and the guy who they made a movie. Uh, it's from a book after that whole like Pride and Prejudice is Zombies uh, mini genre, which was a plague 
on bookstores across the country in the uh, in the uh, second Bush administration. Uh, it was he was played in that movie by Benjamin Walker, uh, and Benjamin Walker. I don't Walker, even know that actor. He was a well, he was a theater actor. He was a Broadway guy who made the jump to Hollywood. And the movie and the thing that got him noticed on Broadway was that he was the star of a musical that started off Broadway and then became a big cult hit and made it onto Broadway called Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson. And it was a proto Hamilton that never really took off. It, it, it only ended up playing like a season on Broadway and then and then it closed. Matt. I didn't know you knew about this because I saw Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson at I uh, did too. It's it's pretty great. It was like it it, it was winking but uh like the music was good. It was like a rock musical whereas uh, It was Hamilton a rock is musical. A- the pitch was is that he was like an emo rock guy. It was a trail yeah, was like of a- cheers. <laughs> It was a, a pop punk mu- musical, but it actually did a pretty good job of, with the Andrew Jackson story. Well written, funny, pretty brutally honest about Andrew Jackson's legacy, and uh, it is what I believe way back you can somewhere. I think before I started the show, you can see an aggravated tweet of mine that that's basically like bloody bloody Andrew Jackson walks so Hamilton could fucking sco- soar through the skies. <laughs> it should have been bloody bloody Andrew Jackson. One two three four. There's nothing left in this old town. Pick up your life and move it around. And what is here? I think what what stops it is is that it's Andrew fucking Jackson. There's only yeah. so much you can do to make a Broadway musical audience uh, sympathetic to him and want to see a fucking play about him. No matter yeah. how clever it is and how no matter much how you much you challenge the money power. Exactly. It's like he was <laughs> the only president we know. We, the only president we have who personally led chained slaves to market. I mean. He's not a guy like Hamilton where you can pretend that he was some abolitionist yeah, yeah. and that, oh, you know, <laughs> he wanted people to pay their taxes. Like, oh, uh, those whiskey rebels are basically the Tea Party. Like, it's a little <laughs> harder with Andrew. <laughs> uh, also, just uh, one thing in 2012, Bruce McGill played uh, a, a close aide to Lincoln in the film Lincoln. That same year, he played a close aide to a different American president in the film Franklin Delano Roosevelt, American Badass, starring Barry <laughs> Bostwick. Who? Barry Bostwick? An, another president who's played, another person who's played multiple presidents, Barry Bostwick, played George Washington in a TV movie in the 70s. Uh, and yes, it's a terrible film that I believe was co written by Kevin Sorbo, uh, who plays uh, <laughs> so Abraham wait, Lincoln. So wait, wait, it, it's Kevin Sorbo wrote a movie about how FDR is an American badass and not like, like an evil uh, Franklin Delano Rosenfeld uh, tyrant? Well, he has him at one point. Like, say, hey, guys, this is the New Deal during one of his fireside chats, and it's about uh, keeping immigrants out of the country. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. But it's mostly about him fighting uh, werewolves from his wheelchair. It's it's very, it's oh, like, God. it's an attempt to do, like, a trauma thing. It's very embarrassing. But I just like that Kevin in the same Sorbo. year. Yeah. In the same wow. year, uh, Bruce McGill was in two movies about American presidents. Uh, and they were a little different. Uh, Bruce McGill, I forget who he played in LBJ's cabinet in uh, the John Frankenheimer Path to oh, War, yes. but he was very good in that as I well. I believe he was George Ball, who was the only real dove uh, anywhere yeah, close yeah, no, to, yeah, there's to a, you know, Johnson. There's, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a scene that, that explicates yeah. that. So, uh, Andrew, speaking, Andrew Johnson, uh, obviously, not going to see a lot of him in films. Well, he's America's worst president. America's or worst may, president. Maybe one of the, in the conversation. But not according to the one film ever made where he is the main character. 1942's Tennessee Johnson, <laughs> which is a film about 
where Van Heflin plays Andrew Johnson, and it is about his valiant effort to resist impeachment at the hands of vindictive radical Republicans, <laughs> led by Lionel Barrymore's evil Thaddeus Stevens. It is literally mirror universe shit. Uh, and it was made in 1942 when the United States was uh, getting into World War II, and it's very much shaped by that moment. The, the uh, climactic scene is something that did not happen, which is Johnson addressing his impeachment proceedings. In real life, he did not uh, ever attend any of the proceedings. Uh, and in his speech, he says, we need to reunite. We need to bring back the Confederate states into the country to per- defend ourselves against foreign foes, mm. which was not really a thing a lot of people in 1866 were thinking about, but it was something they that certainly was very in much in people's minds in 1942. <laughs> so it was just a way to be like, hey, guys, uh, we all got to band together here. But that's right. a good that's a good looking glass movie if you want to just see America through like the Dunning School lens that predominated in white American education up until like the 60s. U.S. Grant barely ever in a movie. The most, the one that came to mind is when Kevin Klein played him in Wild Wild West. West, Jim West, Desperado, Rough Rider. No, you don't want nada. None of this. Running this six gun in this. <laughs> that was a movie that I, as a uh, a nine year old, uh, fucking loved because it had a giant metal spider in it and all the steampunk stuff. Very into oh, yeah. that. And it has a more accurate vision of it has a more a- historically accurate version of Reconstruction than most of the most American movies ever made. That's true. Yeah, that is true. They're very clear about who the bad guys are. Yeah. Um, you know, I was going to say Kevin Klein plays Ulysses S. Grant and Ulysses S. Grant's Secret Service body double. Yeah. So obviously, as with the pre pre Lincoln presidents, the post Lincoln presidents are largely not uh, remembered pop culturally. Teddy Roosevelt, you would think. You know, the Rough Rider, one of the, the great meme presidents. But honestly, in the modern era, in the modern era, the most uh, like indelible per- uh, portrayal of him is probably Robin Williams in the Night at the Museum movies. Well, I see here you have first in your list, uh, Brian Keith in the John Milius film, uh, The Wind and the Lion, yes. which is a very, a very good movie. I remember uh, it was a. It was a fun movie. Sean Connery plays in <laughs> a Bedouin <laughs> revolutionary <Yes>. or something. <laughs> yes. And then Brian Keith also then later in the 90s uh, played uh, McKinley in the TNT movie about the Spanish-American War that had Tom Berenger play uh, Teddy Roosevelt. Uh, that's a Berenger played Roosevelt. Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Just some quick presidential movie trivia that uh, Teddy Roosevelt does have the most portrayals by a single actor in a movie, which is six by Sidney Blackmer in a series of serials involving Teddy Roosevelt at the end of the 30s and beginning of the 40s. So him just like trudging through the, the jungle and shit and getting shot in Milwaukee and giving a speech. Teddy, the rough Watt rider, Buffalo Bill, in old Oklahoma, that kind of thing. Okay. That's the kind of shit people would watch. That's yeah, the kind I know. Of in in The watch. Wind and the Lion, Sean Connery plays a, a Bedouin chieftain who kidnaps an American woman, what, like widow and her child in the Arabian Peninsula during the Roosevelt administration. But he's this like very, very dashing uh, sort of hunter and uh, leader, and and Teddy Roosevelt in that movie very much admires him from afar. And I remember a scene where he's a uh, he's berating his staff on on or like or his taxidermist on how to pose uh, a grizzly bear that he uh, had someone <laughs> kill for him probably. But he's just like, what kind of gun does this this Arab fellow use? Give me give me one of them. <laughs> that sounds about right. You've made this fine specimen of a grizzly look like a hairy cow. But yeah, John Milius wrote it, so you know. Yeah, <laughs> you, you, the cult of masculinity. <laughs> Depictions of American presidents, as you would imagine, really ramp up as film becomes a dominant medium uh, in the mid-20th century and after. 
So once you get to like FDR, you start getting some serious portrayals, like real cultural resonance. Uh, FDR portrayed a ton of times uh, by Bill Murray, uh, by John Voight in Pearl Harbor. So that's the other John Voight one. Uh, and then in my mind, the best, just in terms of like when I imagine when I imagine what Teddy, what uh, FDR was like, like if I imagine sitting in a room and he's like, everyone's yelling at him about what to do with the New Deal and he's trying to make a decision. I think of Edward Herman in Annie. <laughs> no, that was great. And uh, Edward Herman uh, also played Nelson Rockefeller in Oliver Stone's Nixon. He did. That's true. And he played uh, uh, William Randolph Hearst in uh, Peter Bogdanovich's The Cat's Ma- Meow. You ever oh, see that yeah, movie? Oh, yeah. Great movie. Great movie. Yes. Where he accidentally kills Thomas Ince because he thinks he's uh, sleeping with Marion Davies. Now, but see, it's actually Charlie you have your, the, uh, the Bill Murray movie that's just all about how he got handies from his cousin yes. at Hyde Park. Yeah, I haven't. I honestly never even watched that one. You'd think there it, is a scene where Laura Linney jacks him off in a car. Because I remember it was up for some Oscars, and that was like the meme of that the uh, that Oscars year. It's like the FDR handjob movie. It was yes. Uh, didn't Kenneth Branagh play FDR in a HBO made-for-TV movie about um, uh, his his recovery from polio? Oh yes, with, uh, with Cynthia, Cynthia Nixon, Nixon as, as uh, Eleanor. I gotta say, when you get the the uh, the the offer, if you're an actress and you get the offer to play Eleanor that's Roosevelt, that's a poison chalice. That's <laughs> just like <laughs> kick you right in the teeth. Like one of the most well, mo- notoriously homely women in American history. Yeah, I mean, but she's also one of the most respected women. in That's American true. History. But if you're an actress, what do you care more about? Let's be real. Well, you know, Cynthia Nixon, she could have been our governor. So I think that's true. Cares more about substance than style. That's true. So our most glamorous, our most TV, our most uh, camera ready president ever, obviously. Can I do uh, one more FDR fact before we move on? Yes. Uh, FDR first first president portrayed in film while he was still president uh, through a Three Stooges film short film called Cash and Carry in 1937 <laughs> uh, was the first time that well, I did not has know been, that wow yes. he yeah, was in time, that he, well he wasn't it wasn't him but somebody was portraying him and that was the first time a, somebody had portrayed the sitting president in a film in view of the extenuating circumstances I find it possible to extend to you executive clemency oh no please not that oh Mr. President means we're free no yes Gee, Mr. President, you're a swell guy. You said it. Well, speaking of JFK, though, that's a good that's a good bridge, though, because JFK also had someone play him when he was in office, and that was in the film PT-109, uh, which came out in 1963 uh, and portrayed his uh, his heroic rescuing of his crew after his uh, Navy boat gets chopped. That's in interesting half. that Cliff Robertson played him in that movie because Cliff Robertson also portrays a thinly veiled analog for the Kennedys in Gore Vidal's wonderful, uh, the film adaptation of Gore Vidal's play, The Best Man. And Cliff Robertson also plays a fictional U.S. president in Buckaroo Banzai and the Eighth Dimension <laughs> or whatever the fuck it's called. <laughs> yeah. uh, so the, an- yeah. Cliff Robertson, another, another guy, uh, one of those guys who looks like a president. One of those, just the, the head. And I think when we talk about pres- the guys who get to play the president over and over again, that head. You got a head that's got to be angular in some way. And Cliff Robertson had a perfect granite head. Uh, JFK uh, had obviously has had a ton of media portrayals, but I don't think anyone has nailed him. Like nobody has given, in my mind, a Kennedy for the screen like Daniel Day-Lewis's Lincoln or frankly, even Edward Herman's FDR. I just... Who is it? Like Bruce Greenwood in uh, in thirteen days. Thirteen days. Uh, James Marsden in The Butler. I don't <laughs> think so. Who played him on The Crown? Oh, it was the guy from Dexter. Um, C- oh, Michael yes. C. Hall. Michael C. Hall. And again, it was like 
uh, his like he didn't he doesn't look anything like Kennedy. I mean, he got what how like sort of like what a nasty kind of brat Kennedy was. But like, I didn't find the performance <laughs> particularly memorable. I think what you find with Kennedy, and you see it with some of these some uh, characters in history, presidents, honestly, our most recent president among them, where their image is just too much to be contained in a performance. It doesn't end up. Fe- it always ends up being overshadowed by the real thing. Mm-hmm. Because Kennedy is this like character who a martyred like figure out of time and space, the, the 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 Jesus Christ of the baby boomer generation, and it's hard to imagine anybody uh, really embodying that character. That's why he is not portrayed in J- uh, Oliver Stone's JFK because the camera literally could not contain his luminescence <laughs> considering what Oliver Stone thought of Kennedy. Yeah, he would be like, if, if Kennedy were portrayed by an actor in Oliver Stone's CFK, it would lose all the mystique of this like Jesus Christ-like exactly. figure, this this martyred saint, yeah. this prince. And I feel like a lot of people carry that around subconsciously or not, and it it means that we haven't really gotten a lot of uh, Kennedys. Well, the most... Re- uh, John F. Kennedy anyway we've gotten a good number of uh, Teddies uh, they did that movie about Chappaquiddick last year <laughs> with Jason Clark and I think it should be illegal for not uh, yeah for Australians to play American presidents Daniel Day-Lewis can do it because he's British but no Australians just it's too much uh, Jack Houston who was uh, the guy without a face in Boardwalk Empire yeah. he shows up briefly to play RFK in the Irish oh right yes during the, the comp- I thought he was the- very good in that one little scene yeah. I thought he was funny I thought only little girls did giggle. Oh, and who plays, who, plays R- who plays RFK in the uh, uh, Danny DeVito Hoffa movie? Oh, yeah. I don't know. I remember that one. That's a he, great he movie. He was good, too. They, uh, they always make him as a little little rat little rat boy. Um, another, I'll say, so now we got to it. The, I'd say the, the era, the next three presidents are probably the most depicted because these are the people that uh, were president during the formative years of the people who make movies now so these are the people who mm-hmm. have left the densest trail that we as you know 21st century uh, social detritus can recognize so you have obviously a lot of fjfk but then there's a ton of lbjs uh uh people love p- hiking up their pants and doing a broad drawl and uh yelling <laughs> at people about how they got to pass the bill and saying things like uh get gnats out of my my dog shit or whatever he said <laughs> uh, all those colorful southern phrases Showing his dick to people. Showing his dick. Still, <laughs> no one has ever depicted <laughs> that on screen. Fingering women through their panties. There's never been uh, anyone depicted on screen him taking his dick out, which is honestly too bad. LBJ, I feel like he usually comes off as sort of clownish in films. Uh, I would say that the best LBJ I've seen is from the, the uh, HBO uh, Michael sh- Gambon. Yeah. Uh, you think Michael Gambon? War. Have, you, have you seen All the Way, though? The one, the I have not seen show. All the Way. It's got I actually Brian saw the, the All the Way on Broadway. Oh, you saw it on Broadway? Uh, and oh, I, cool. I, I did not see it in the film, but I have to imagine that I, I, the live performance of it is better because you lose all the stuff that you have to, that you have to invest in like making him look like the guy on screen, and you can just get the performance right. of Cranston. And Cranston was going, right. you know, do, really doing it, going, you know, going for that Tony. Uh, and it was yeah. great. Well, you got to be a great. ham. Like, like, that's the thing. There are certain presidents where uh, hamminess is rewarded, and I think LBJ is one of them, because like, how do you underplay LBJ realistically? Uh, and the thing about Cranston's performance of LBJ that I like the most is that it gets the wounded neediness at the heart of him. There's a lot of bluster, but then there's also this just like whipped dog like terror that yeah. uh, is harder to evoke when you're going like big and blustery. 
that's what I remember of the uh, stage performance a lot is it kind of has that same thing that makes what I was saying makes Lincoln good is that it, it, the, these performances often sing in their uh, their vulnerability and that thing that Cranston was doing that that play is really about is between you know but when he's in the public or trying to like get his point across or get people to do what he want it is one version the blustering the bullying and then when the doors are closed and he is in his moments of, of weakness or insecurity uh, it is another LBJ and, th- and that's when that performance really uh, uh, again sung for me wait a second in in what film did Liev Shriver portray LBJ? The Lee Daniels, the Butler. This Liev movie, Shriver played me, LBJ. Let me recommend this film for anyone who is a buff of uh, presidential performances by a celebrity. So the the Butler was this movie based on a real character who was uh, the black but- presidential Butler, who like the personal servant of the president from Eisenhower to Reagan, and it's about his life. And so they have actors portraying all of those presidents, or most of them. I think they skip Ford. Uh, I think they might even skip Carter, too. But it's all stunt casting, and it's amazing. So Eisenhower is played by Robin Williams, making him another one of the multiple presidents. I was going to say, Eisenhower is very rarely portrayed. Very in rarely, yes. Almost none that yeah. I can uh, think of. Tom Selleck played him but, uh, about uh, World but War II, world, not as, as a president. general. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so Eisenhower, played by Robin Williams. Uh, Jesus JFK played by James Marsden. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like, didn't John Cusack play Nixon? In John that? Cusack yeah. plays Nixon. Liev Schreiber. That's is, like, I, that's that's the one to me that just is, sticks out. Like, I do not get the casting there. Liev Schreiber as uh, J- uh, he he doesn't have the vibe to put it bluntly. And then Reagan played by Alan Rickman. Okay. So, and all of them are every every scene is just a goofy little like SNL sketch that never made air. If I could just add uh, another LBJ that I uh, didn't make the cut, um, not as president or he is president during some of it. Uh, Donald Moffat portrays LBJ in the right stuff. Oh, Donald okay. Moffat, who would later go on to play fictional president in Clear and Present Danger yes. and the head of the Antarctic Research Base and John Carpenter's The Thing. Yes, uh, I always believed and I can't I can't be shaken on this that his He's essentially in Clear and Present Danger. He's basically George H.W. Bush, but not the actual evil one, the sort of ineffectual wimp that we all kind of got culturally because he's not he doesn't really want to, you know, he's not running drugs or anything. It's like, no, he he wants he wants a strong response to the drug cartels, but he doesn't want to get his hands dirty because they killed his friend who was a a, a a money launderer. Yeah. yeah. And he's just like, well, shucks, we got to go. And, and but he's like a dork. How dare you come into my office and bark at me like some <laughs> junkyard dog? I'm the president of the United States. How dare you, sir? How dare you, sir? And like he's, that film also written by John Milius. Yes, and he's like a, he's a he's a pencil neck wasp, and he he feels to me like and especially when you consider when the movie came out when it was written, he reads to me as just like the public's idea of George H. W. Bush. Uh, which stands in for the relative paucity of George H.W. Bush's on screen. The most notable one for me is in uh, um, Naked Gun 2. <laughs> oh, There's right. an extended yeah. sequence. Where he uh, vomits on the where he vomits on everybody. minister, yeah. yeah. So now we get to the most important question. Yeah, this is the, this is the king of the ball. This is the king of all American presidents, presidents on film. When you're talking presidents on film, when you're talking presidential roles to take, there really is only one. And it is Richard Nixon. Richard motherfucking Billhouse Nixon. <laughs> the man. Like these, these like there are three. There are three performances. There are three renditions of Nixon here that are all standalone as like all time fucking great yeah. performances. Not just of Amer- the American presidency, but just as for an actor to sink their teeth into. Yes. So I would say that the greatest screen Nixon uh, is Philip Baker Hall 
in yes, sir. Uh, Robert Altman's Secret Honor. I did not elect myself. They elected me not once, not twice, but all my goddamn life. And they would do it again, too, if they had the chance. Oh, sure. They said they didn't trust me. They said, let Dick Nixon do it. And I did it. They said they wouldn't buy a used car for me, but they gave me the biggest vote in American history. And then they flushed me down the toilet. And they wanted me to stay down. They wanted me to kill myself. Well, I won't do it. If they want me dead, they'll have to do it. Fuck on! Which is a filmed one-man show, basically. It is an adapted uh, uh, theater piece that he... I, that, well, Altman shot, I think, on the on this uh, campus of the University of uh, Michigan, uh, and it's post impeachment Nixon uh, dictating his memoirs uh, in his in his study. That's it. Uh, and uh, Philip Baker Hall, known as uh, Lieutenant Bookman from Seinfeld, a bunch of things, uh, a number of Paul Thomas Anderson films. Uh, one of those uh, actors who had an amazing, who was essentially not in films until he was like 50 and then has been in a million films ever since uh and Oz just and he been old the entire day. time yes he hasn't aged a day. just frozen in carbonite uh and he doesn't do any attempt to imp- impersonate nixon that's the intro- that's i think what makes it the most effective there's he doesn't do the he doesn't put any face prosthetics on he doesn't uh like make his voice hoarser he just sounds like Philip Baker Hall. What he channels, though, is just the Olympian resentment that powered Nixon and self-pity. And by doing that, he evokes the character just perf- perfectly. Uh, if you really want to like get into the psychology of the guy, which is you know the point if you're watching this stuff, if you're interested in it from this angle, uh, that movie is the one to go to. Yeah, I love Secret Honor. I mean, I, I just... Yeah, because like he doesn't, he doesn't, he he doesn't look so much like Nixon or even sound like him, but like he perfectly embodies like everything about the psychology and the history as well, and like and also it has like a, a novel take on Nixon's downfall as a president that is uh like very little seen. Like it's just basically like the the title of the movie Secret Honor comes from this idea that like he let himself go down for Watergate to save America from like a civil war that would be caused by the gang of 100. Yes. These shady power <laughs> brokers who put him into power and were like this close to starting World War Three or just like having a military dictatorship in America. And instead he steps down and you can read it as his own self, uh, yeah. you know, uh, self-absolving uh, justification. But uh, given his, the way that he describes his life and, and that, that, that sense that at never no point, well, even when he's president, does he actually feel like he's in charge of anything? Uh, it really evokes that sense of presidential uh, uh, castration that 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 curses the modern president and and a guy like Nixon who wanted nothing more than to be uh, in charge, to be validated, to to be accepted by the elites, gets to the very center of power and is never ever ever comfortable now this is a, this is a theme that is uh reflected um just as just as well or like it's explicated in great detail in oliver stone's nixon starring sir anthony getting topkins as <laughs> richard nixon yeah i mean i remember this scene in it like probably the one that stands out in my head the most is when he goes to the uh lincoln memorial to talk to all the all the hippies and yippies who are camping out there doing a sort of pseudo occupy to protest the vietnam war and he's like you know i, 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 I was a republican because of lincoln he, he freed the slaves and then, like the you know, some like some some hippie girl is like, 
you don't even get it, do you, man? And then, like, fucking uh, James Woods' alderman comes in, like, shuffles him into a car, and he's like, we have to get out of here, Mr. President. And Anthony <laughs> Hopkins is like, well, that girl, that girl, she gets it better than any of us. It's the beast. Hi, <laughs> Char. It's the beast that's in control. I don't have any power at all. So, yeah, that's, and this is what's, that's why, this is, I think, more than anything, why Nixon is uh, such a temp- juicy character, is you've got, uh, another movie here where Hopkins goes in the exact opposite direction of Philip Erica Hall. Give me the fucking prosthetics. Yeah. Give me the teeth. Give me the whole the look sheen, over. The, the sweaty sheen that let he's me just pouring over. sweat. Let me do the voice. So he goes for full caricature, but because Nixon is such a, a, is a caricature, caricature <laughs> yeah. it works. And, uh, and I, I, I like, I love Hopkins in that, in, in that performance because, like, yeah, he pushes it like to, to the fucking hilt, like everything that, like, you think you know about Nixon, but just captures that sense of like him just, just stalking the halls of the White House like some sort of mad crow with like a fucking <laughs> boulder-sized chip on his shoulder about fucking everything. The scene where and he, I also really yeah. love how like sexually repressed he is. Like he calls his wife Buddy, Buddy the entire Buddy. Buddy. And there's a scene where Buddy, played by um, oh, Joan, Joan Allen. Joan Allen uh, comes on to him and he's like, "Oh, buddy, I uh, I don't need that. I'm no Jack Kennedy." <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's he go, yeah. He's uh, he's looking at the painting of Kennedy. He's like, oh, they they look at you and they see who they want to be. They look at me. They see who they, what they are. <laughs> that's a good line, though. That's, oh, that's great. Uh, that movie is just absolutely uh, packed with great versions of uh, historical demons. James Wood is H.R. Haldeman. You can't get better than that. The, the casting there is just amazing. Fucking uh, uh, JT or uh, JT Walsh. JT Walsh as Ehrlichman. Uh, fuck Paul Sorvino as Kissinger. Yeah, the, uh, that's the cast in that movie is so fucking stacked. Redonkulous. And then, of course, the scariest person. In, and oh, uh, you, who can get, of course, the problematic thing is that, of course, macho He-Man uh, Oliver Stone cannot resist. The guy who made JFK oh, cannot God. resist making uh, <laughs> making Bob Hoskins uh, Jagger Hoover Jagger. a mincing uh, psycho. I love I love Hoskins as Jagger oh, Hoover in that. Like, but it is one thousand percent the gayest he's ever been portrayed yep. on film. Yeah, because for Stone, like that is the set. The evil at the center of like American Empire is is this decadent uh, perversity that he embodies is embodied by these uh, these fascist gay guys. That he's, uh, in, it really, I mean, it, it really is proto Okay, can we talk, can we talk about, though, about Dan Hedaya and yes. Nick. Dan Hedaya, who is also in Oliver Stone's Nixon, playing a close personal friend and advisor. Baby Rebozo? Yeah, I baby, something like that. Yeah. Uh, but Dan Hedaya as Nixon in Dick, yes. which is one of the funnier political comedies in, in American film, in my opinion. I thought Dan Hedaya was spectacular as yes. Richard Nixon. And he's got... Like he didn't need any. He didn't have the nose, obviously, for Nixon. But he has the jaw. He had that same kind of like basset hound jaw as Nixon, and and he could, he could, he just got he got the dog like, uh, nature of him. He was able to pull the comedy out of it. Like he's got all of the the things that made Nixon this tragic character, but just played for their most humorous side. A very funny satire of Watergate. And I'd also like to point out the great Harry Shearer as uh, G. Gordon Liddy, RIP very to good, a real one. Very good work. I'm speaking about G. Gordon Liddy, not Harry Shearer. Yeah, <laughs> also, oh, great work by him. Uh, I have to say, I it's the, the movie's not great and not that interesting because it's based on you know uh, a play by a guy who is the king of making sort of mediocre political uh, dramas. But the, the Ron Howard uh, uh, Frost Nixon movie uh, I I really I gotta say I like Frank Langella's performance. Frank Langella is just again like unimpeachable actor, 
And I, I saw the stage version of Frost Nixon with uh, Michael Sheen and Frank Langella, and I oh, thought yeah? it was great. But I mean, it's in the movie too. There's a great scene where they're uh, they're on the golf course, and like you know, uh, Frost is of course buttering up and being an, like you know an ingratiating TV guy, and Nixon goes. Oh, did you have a good night last night? And uh, Frost is like, mm, yes, quite. And then he goes, mm, did you do any fornication? And it's right before the interview starts. So it's like a great way that he throws him off balance entirely before this interrogation of him starts. He just goes, did you do any fornication? <laughs> I, I, st- I still remember yeah. the, the big climactic scene when he gets the, you know, the pre- president, when the president does it, it's not a crime. Uh, when he gets that out of him. I remember seeing that in theaters and, and yeah, but being that's, thrown like, true. Like by, everyone believes, yeah. like, does anyone disregard that now no i'm just saying the performance the att- of that scene uh being taken aback yeah. by langella's yeah when he kind of breaks through yeah. and he yeah yeah uh, watching that movie though it's very interesting and it is uh, to see the media sort of self-mythologizing like the, what we did we 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 ruin they really do let set it up like well if it wasn't for this interview nixon might have like run for president again and won or something <laughs> yeah, yeah. or like his his evil uh example would be forgotten and it's i'm sorry it was forgotten like by by Iran contra the lessons of watergate have been completely forgotten because we all wanted to forget them and so no amount of uh of of david frost grilling was going to change that and it really is it's the media puffing themselves up again. Like we're the guardians of democracy here, even though uh, this shit's going to happen either way. Well, speaking of Iran Contra, should we move on to Reagan? Just before we leave Nixon, there have been two films, one for television, one theatrically made about the time that Elvis went to the White House and met Nixon and got yeah. a photo op. It's not that interesting a story, actually. And it has had two movies made out of it, one for TV with Bob Gunton. Uh, uh, the warden from Shawshank as Nixon and the other theatrically a few years ago now, obviously with Kevin Spacey as Richard Nixon uh, <laughs> yes. and Michael Shannon as Elvis. Yeah. Uh, and I saw that one and it was, it was boring because it's a boring incident. There have been two movies made about Nixon meeting uh, Elvis and there has been zero movies made about Nixon meeting RoboCop, which to me is a way more interesting story that I would much more be interested in seeing a theatrical version of. Uh, before we skip to Reagan though, has Jimmy Carter ever been portrayed in a movie? Not to my... I th- he was skipped in The Butler. Uh, he... Uh, can't yeah. get no respect. No, none at all. Well, one-termers are always tough because like George H.W. is also in that You're spot. Right. Uh, you got you to gotta uh, get two terms to really stamp yourself. Yeah. But with Reagan, there aren't that many I- iconic ones. It's because Reagan is not an interesting character. Not at all. I remember I mean, there was that, that, that big biography of Reagan, uh, Dutch, that yes. came out. That was the first big biography of Reagan. By, authorized like, by the family. Yeah, and authorized everything. by Got the family and by one of the big... The letters. Uh, like one of the Edmund big, Morris, yeah. The big biographers of like American history. And I remember Gore Vidal talking about it, and he was friends of the author. And I remember when he was like... Gore Vidal was saying that like when he was telling him about this project, he was like, don't even try it. He was like, you were going to drive yourself crazy... Um, trying to fit, like trying to find this guy's soul or character because like he doesn't have any. Yeah. He's just all he knows is hit your marks, Ronnie. He just knows fucking like the Jack, you know, the Warner Brothers studio execs just telling him where to stand and yes. what to say. That's all he knows, and that's why that that guy did lose his mind and had to invent himself as a fucking character <laughs> in the guy's life because he was like, like he was like that's the only way he could get a fucking like uh, like like an, a wedge in on this fucking absolute zero's yep. mind. It's so funny. It's like the guy got made his bones writing a, a magisterial multi part biography of teddy roosevelt so this is and that's why they hired him because like this is the guy he's going to monumentalize an american president like give him a rich psychological portrait they gave him access to every letter the guy ever wrote and he had to do a metatextual like 
bullshit just to like figure out a way to write the thing. And of course, everyone, all the, the Reagan family and everyone hated it. And he was just like, look, I'm sorry. I don't know what else you want me to do. He's not there. There's no there there. Yeah. It's like Oakland. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I do have some good news for you guys uh, that there is an upcoming Reagan biographical film uh, that was set to release this year, but got pushed back for next to next year. Uh, and maybe if I read you some of the cast members of this, uh, you can get a sense of what tone it's going to take for right. uh, the story of Reagan. Uh, Dennis Quaid as Robert Reagan or as as Ronald Reagan. Uh, but then we also have uh, Kevin Dillon as Jack L. Warner. We have John Voight <laughs> as Victor what? Novikov. Uh, okay, and we okay. have Robert Davi as Leonid Brezhnev. <laughs> That's actually really good That's casting. That's not bad casting, That's honestly. Bad. So I mean, he's going never cast, do a Russian accent to save his life. But so given that cast, I think it. you can, uh, you can uh, guess yeah, what, what a take Kevin it's going Sorbo to have on production. It. Yes. Kevin Dillon as one of the Warner brothers. That's funny. That's, that, that tracks. Uh, they're, they're really, and then once you get past, really, once you get past Nixon, it really does dry up amongst real historical presidents. I mean, you got Clint Travolta playing like a half-assed Clinton in primary colors. You've got Josh Brolin doing W, basically an impression in a movie Sam that Rockwell is, is, is not George very w. good. George jo, uh, Rockwell in, okay. in Vice is probably my favorite one. Uh, and then they're the only, oh, uh, wait, one more on Reagan though. One more in Reagan, uh, Bruce Campbell as a brief cameo in Fargo, in, in Fargo season, season two when he's oh, running two, for yes. president. Yeah, I thought that was uh, a good portrayal. That was a good, credible portrayal of Ronald Reagan. Yeah, as a fucking airhead. Uh, love Bruce Campbell. I will also say for George W. Bush, uh, this one popped up to me recently as I threw this on uh, just you know to waste some time sometime during quarantine. Harold and Kumar escape from Guantanamo Bay. There is a scene with George W. Bush and it played by our friend James Adomian who does an amazing W impression oh, in, that, oh, in Harold and Kumar that. Escape from Guantanamo Bay. It is yeah, great. Like they, it's he, like the, they smoke weed with him or something? Yeah, he yeah, cheats exactly. them out in, at the ranch, right? In okay. Midland. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That really was, you could argue that that movie was the first step towards re his rehabilitation because it, it really was like, hey, he's just a cool stoner. He just wants to party. <laughs> he doesn't really care about any of this stuff. And he's really, he's worked that the rest of his post-presidency. I am excited to see Clive Owen play Bill Clinton in the American crime story about impeachment. Baffling. The most <laughs> British man. Yeah, the most. Has never perfect. <laughs> yeah. Has never realistically. Yeah. He's yeah. in that Liam Neeson zone where he's never realistically portrayed in America. And also, I, like he, his, like Clive Owen's whole thing is this like affect of sort of reptilian, like coldness he doesn't and, have that glad handing yeah, exactly. uh, southern charmer baffling choice but we'll see i mean didn't dennis quaid play bill clinton in a movie the special relationship movie about yes, him and tony blair with michael true. sheen yes because yes. like dennis quaid like that's that's perfect casting for bill clinton there, yes. that broad grin yeah. and another guy now who's played multiple presidents nice head that quaid head <laughs> you love to see it uh barack obama has been played twice in two movies that both came out in 2016 at the tail end of his, at the end of his presidency, it's like, ah, let's all bask in the O'Bungler. And they're both about his young days. One's called Barry, about him being a student at Occidental, I think. And the other is called Sunday in Chicago or something. But they're about first his date, first date, first with, date Michelle. with Michelle. Ugh, yuck. Regime propaganda yuck. as the regime is leaving office. <laughs> I mean, just like the most pointless thing on earth. So the question that always comes up when we talk about presidential, pre uh, future of presidential films is obviously we just left the most you know intensely political the most intensely focused moment maybe ever around the figure of the president in the, in the four years of trump 
Uh, and we've already seen Trump portrayed uh, on screen as, by Brendan Gleeson. Uh, I thought that was a, a way more credible job than I was expecting. I thought Gleason was fantastic as Trump. He didn't look anything like him, but he captured his 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 the way he talks and his just mincing weird attitude. About he absolutely everything. got the weirdness of Trump. But I honestly do believe that any good movie that tries to any movie that tries to come out that is about any aspect of the last four years politically, if it tries to cast Trump in a role, if they try to have someone play him, it will suck. Because he is a figure who cannot be contained by a, a theatrical performance because he's just too big. He is, he is too all-consuming. He should only ever appear in films, if you're going to make one, as a character on television. He should not be an actor playing him. Well, this is uh, we're talking about like um, fictional movies that use real presidents and like weave them into the narrative. I just watched Contact with Jodie Foster and Matthew McConaughey, and like in that movie, Zemeckis like edits in real footage of Bill Clinton speaking vaguely about big scientific discoveries to make it seem like he's talking about the you know evidence of extraterrestrial life. But the funniest part about it is Matthew McConaughey's character is this absolute airhead Malcolm Gladwell, like pseudo new age <laughs> spiritual guru who becomes a, in, in the universe of the film, a close advisor to president Clinton, such that he is sitting in cabinet meetings with like national security level clearance about fucking the existence of aliens. And he's like next to the secretary of defense and the head of the CIA. And they're like, Oh, why are you here? And he's like, Oh, I just wrote an airport book about how technology is bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's like if you got Joel Osteen there. But what, the I, love, yeah, what I love about that is like that is exactly the kind of guy who would become Bill Clinton's personal spiritual advisor. Oh, yeah. Like, remember that guy that was hanging around the Clinton campaign and doing harassment? That was that was Hillary's like faith advisor. Yes. Yeah. Just yes. some fucking bluffs, blustering shithead with some fucking uh, and he was doing books. He was doing harassment in that movie, too. He has sex with he hooks up with Jodie Foster once. And Jodie Foster is like she's like she hits it and quits it. She's like, hey, I had fun, but I'm not trying to like talk to you. You're a fucking <laughs> airhead. I'm a scientist. And he stalks her for like 20 years over the course of that movie, sending her notes. And he's just like, uh, I'd miss you if the aliens took you, Jody. And she's like, chill, <laughs> calm down, man. No boundaries on that guy. No boundaries with that guy. All right. So to wrap things up here, I would like to do maybe a couple uh, 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 to take a couple of fictional presidents, presidents who are made up, did not exist in real life, but are, are characters in fictional films and go through maybe a couple of pairings and see which ones we prefer. So first off, uh, black president during the end of the world. You've got <laughs> Morgan Freeman, Morgan Freeman in, Deep in Deep Impact and Danny, Danny Glover, Glover in, in 2012. Uh, 2012. Yes. Those are the two big ones. Now, obviously, you got you think you got to go with uh, Morgan Freeman there. Uh, I would. Uh, not just because he's Morgan Freeman, but because Danny Glover's character in uh, 2012 plays a really an honestly bad president like morgan freeman you can't really blame him for the world ending. yeah yeah fucking comet's coming what are you gonna do and the world doesn't even end they're able to like do the suicide bomb <laughs> charge on the comet and 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 only Thank the you, east Robert coast yeah and only the east coast gets wiped out but the not only does the president not only does danny glover hide the fact that 2012 is going to destroy the world build giant ships where he they lets sell, China, he lets sell, China take over, <laughs> and they sell the seats though to rich people to build to fund it, so that like the Saudi royal family gets to go uh, and be uh, the survivors. And then when the world is finally ending, and they have to get everybody to the ships, he decides to just stay in Washington at like a 
at the at the medevac unit in front of the White House to get destroyed. He gets wiped out in a tidal wave that carries an aircraft carrier yes, right over the, the, him. The USS John F. Kennedy just lands <laughs> on him. But right after that happens, the vice president, who's trying to get to the bunkers, his plane goes down and he's dead. The entire Congress got killed during this thing. So when they get to the fucking boats, the only guy in the U- U.S. government is Oliver Platt, who plays the chief of staff. And so <laughs> that's way down the fucking that's not on the designated chart. survivor that list. That is not yeah. on the succession <laughs> list. So they have this fucking bureaucrat with a lanyard who is the representative of the U.S. government because Danny Glover was like, no, I'm going to stay behind. Oh, that's like, a Motherfucker, bungle. We need some sort of chain of authority here. Very proud performance there. And no, exactly. And when, and when they emerge from the arc, it's just like. China is in control of everything. China, folks, how stupid are we? We let China build the survival arc. How do we do it, folks? Our new Eden—it's going to be dominated by China. They're going to take China. us. They're going to do it. It's not going to be good, folks. All right, '90s alien invasion presidents. President uh, uh, Mitchell from Indi- uh, Independence Day, or President Dale. From Mars Attacks. Okay, I love Jack Nicholson in Mars Attacks. I love the multiple Jack Nicholson roles in Mars Attacks. I love Mars Attacks as like, as like I don't know, the best movies about, like one of the best movies about politics at the end of the 90s, which is just that yeah. we should have aliens kill most of our like, <laughs> ruling and cultural elites. Absolutely. Uh, but I got to say, Bill Pullman in Independence Day is, in my opinion, the most goaded fictional movie president. Okay, so that means that he would... Def- he... he uh- him over Harrison Ford in Air Force One. Yes, I would okay, take Bill cool. Pullman over over Harris because, like, uh, Harrison Ford, he's just he's too uh, you know too sonorous, too fuck. He's too much of a fucking square. And like Bill Pullman is like he clearly plays a Republican president in Independence Day, but like they just had to have some fact that he used to be a fighter pilot as well. As well. But you know what? He gave he gave a damn good speech. He gave he really a damn did. good speech when it counted. See that. Uh, Pullman and Ford were the ones that I wanted to bring up as one of the as perfect duo of the 90s too of what Americans want from their president which is somebody that they, they can fant- fantasize about kicking ass so I have to go with Harrison Ford because instead of just you know flying a plane which he did before he actually is like punching and shooting guys in the Air yeah. Force One Get you know it's hand plane. to hand He's which I think Russians, is the greater yeah. fantasy of, uh, of a president who could actually beat somebody up I remember seeing Air Force One in theaters and like fucking loving it. And I remember being blown away by Gary Oldman as the evil Russian villain because I was like, oh, yeah, I could not imagine someone being that evil when he just (laughs) executes the secretary of defense in front of everyone in the cabinet. And then I rewatched that movie recently and I was like, oh, like Gary Oldman's 100 percent right. Every single thing he says in that movie, it's 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 about how he doesn't want America to be like to just like American capitalism to just rape the corpse of fucking his the once powerful nation of russia if you if you want to like a, a crash course in how like culture is is a process of of just inverting reality to make it palatable look at that movie where the bad guy is saying only things that are true <laughs> you sold you sold my country to prostitutes and thieves correct you killed a hundred thousand Iraqis to save a nickel on a carol of gas. Correct. Yes. And, uh, he is. He is not wrong about any of it. But he is manifestly and obviously a demon who must be destroyed. Uh, it is though. I mean, Adam Curtis has obviously noted, and others have too, the preponderance of of imagery of uh, apocalyptic annihilation in films in the '90s. There's before 9/11. There's this collective. It's either a sense of what's coming or a yearning for it or a combination of the two. Uh, and I don't think any movie gets the eerie like f- resonances that were like being picked up at that period 
uh, more than Independence Day. Maybe other, the only other one is Starship Troopers came around mm-hmm. this around the same time. And that is this there, a, a catastrophic attack on our nation's capitals, including New York City, and then a fighter pilot president rousing us all to national unity with a big speech in his flight suit. And of course, we got like the farce version of that fantasy, but like they're, they're clear, it was pretty clear what we wanted. We wanted a national uh, project. We wanted uh, we wanted danger and we wanted horror. And then we wanted some figure that we could unify around to transcend it. No, like and like George W. Bush was the fulfillment of that fantasy. It's just like it be, like it was revealed as a fantasy, but it took yeah. like it took about ten years. But like yeah. people finally realized how fucking like how fucked up that actually is. Yeah, to see some fucking swaggering dickhead pretend to be a fucking fighter pilot and then fighting a war not against some uh you know <laughs> colonizing alien overlords, but against some fucking uh against Saddam Hussein and basically the, the, a nation of Iraqi people. Look, nine eleven is the worst thing that ever happened to any country. <laughs> it is remarkable that that movie took seven years to become reality you know yeah yeah and yep. like the same thing with starship troopers with within within a decade you have like the entire the the federal network coming into existence in the form of fox news uh okay uh what about presidents who uh are taken hostage in a diehard type situation at the white house aaron, aaron eckhart jamie fox jamie fox <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got to go with Aaron Eckhart. I mean, the White House Down was was one of the shittiest movies. Ever. Olympus Has Fallen, hard dicked throwback to like right wing eighties action. White House Down, MSNBC, soy. the motion picture. Soy, soy, so soy, and it's PG thirteen too. It's like it's a perfect uh, dis- uh, the the movies are perfectly distinct because uh, White House Down is like hard R, wildly violent, uh, and and brutal and and. <laughs> White House Down is Nerf Kitty bullshit. Uh, a, a shout out, though, to uh, Melissa Leo playing uh, fictional Secretary of Defense when she gets dragged out of the bunker by her hair by North Korean death squad. And she just starts going, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States <laughs> and to the republic for which it stands. Like, sing, uh, sing the Star Spangled Banner. <laughs> there is nothing dorkier than the Pledge of Allegiance. She's like <laughs> reciting the Pledge of Allegiance. She's about to be executed on national TV. Is, but she's not, uh, though. She survives. She survives. Spoiler alert makes it to the second film uh no it's absolutely embarrassing and then morgan freeman becomes he was head he was he was speaker of the house and olympus has fallen but by angel has fallen morgan freeman became yet another uh, black president who presides over a near apocalypse yes but he he, they they he does better but jared Uh, butler has to save him yes that's the thing is that he's got gerald butler there which is what any president really needs agent mike banning yes (laughs) uh okay uh sorkin presidents uh president shepherd from michael uh, douglas uh, the american, american president, president or jeb bartlett i gotta go i mean i mean just by default i gotta go with michael douglas because it's a movie and not a tv show that's true and it's also a lot shorter but i mean actually i was gonna bring it up my actually my favorite fictional president i mean like bill pullman is my, my favorite good fictional president but my actual my actual favorite president in a movie is Martin Sheen, not in the West Wing, but in David Cronenberg and Stephen King's The Dead Zone <laughs> Greg as Greg Stilson. Now, he's running for president in the movie, but thanks to Christopher Walken's Dead Zone premonitions of the future, we do see scenes of him as president of the United States inaugurating World War III yep. and a nuclear apocalypse. Just like, I believe he says, fuck it, let's be legends. I think those are his lines. <laughs> there's a great scene in it, and it's Cronenberg. It's a fucking great movie, but there's a great scene where, like, after he, like, launches the missiles, the cabin is, like, banging on the door of, like, Scant David retreat, and he just opens the door, and he's like, gentlemen, 
Hallelujah. Praise be to God. The missiles are already in the air. It's just, it's so fucking scary. Uh, all right. And then I guess I'll say mine, which is Peter Sellers in Dr. Yes. Strangelove yes. as President Merkin Muffley. Uh, I'm perfect, hearing you just fine. I'm, You're coming through fine. We're all right, enjoying we're, talking to each other. All, the, bo- the bomb, Dimitri. Now, now, one of her generals, he, well, he went a little funny. He went a little funny. He did something a little bit silly. <laughs> yes. Merkin uh, Muffley. Merkin Muffley. Which is like the, basically like an Adlai Stevenson caricature. Yes, absolutely. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, which is funny because, you know, he's, he's the guy we didn't get uh, after he ran twice against Eisenhower. Uh, and he uh he's the kind of president you don't really see that often on screen where where they, he does not up for the moment a bitch ass beta a bitch ass beta <laughs> who is not yeah. who does not rise to the moment and does not embody the country's greatest I'm not uh, going to go down in history as the greatest mass murderer since Adolf Hitler. Well, Mr. President, maybe if you're a little bit more concerned about the Russia and less with your how you look in the yeah, history in the books. History books. <laughs> yeah, Doctor Strange love the best of all time. Are you saying? Are you saying? Will that turn off? Will that do the Doomsday Machine? Uh, that is actually a good question. Has there ever been a, a, a portrayal? I don't want to say, say sympathetic because I think it would be in, inherently or implicitly unsympathetic, but but a uh, nuanced portrayal of a weak president, fictional president that isn't just like a lambasted caricature. Seven days in May. Yeah, he was a, he was a good president in that, but he's like he's kind of a bitch, right? No, he confronts uh, fucking Burt Lancaster at the end of it and kind of owns him. Oh, I guess because that, it's a liberal fantasy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like actually because that's the thing you're not going to get you're you're never going to get a really like ineffectual president because they're because uh, at the end of the day they have to like find the metal or else really honestly the liberal project that underwrites most motivations for making theatrical uh, movies about American politics uh, is based on which is which is this notion of 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 virtue at the end of the day guiding people. Because if these guys are in this room and there's nothing but their worst instincts uh, and power, then nothing good can ever happen. And they can't really confront that, at least not in a way that would uh, be like true to to the reality of it. Even something like uh, 2012, where you're saying that the uh, the president is making bad decisions during it, it is portrayed as, as for noble causes or for noble reasons. And he has to make that noble sacrifice to just get owned by a tidal wave with a battleship at the end. Yeah. Yeah, no, he has he has to redeem himself. Uh, maybe President uh, Eric Derrickson from uh, from President Decker. Davidson from from, from, yeah, Davidson from Decker. From Decker. Yeah. You're right. That's that. That is the most sympathetic portrayal of a beta cuck president yeah. ever. It's like uh, it's like they're only kind of exasperated with his cowardice because it's like, what are you gonna do? Uh, like, oh, oh no! Good, good A- luck, good, good luck, Decker. Actually, luck no. is for pussies like you. All I need is this gun. <laughs> uh, in the theaters, though, one just one just came to mind: Kevin James in the film Pixels, where he, <laughs> where in order. In order to make it work so that a guy who was a, a video game star like 20 years, 30 years ago can be brought in to stop an alien invasion, the only way that can work is if he was childhood friends with the president. <laughs> <laughs> and that is played by Kevin James. And he is absolute oaf. He does pratfalls. He's being completely cucked by his wife who hates him. Uh, but he saves the world with the help of Adam Sandler. So I would say that one. Uh, and just I'll close off here saying that uh, Jeff Bridges and Lloyd Bridges both made presidents in films. Uh, Jeff Bridges in The Contender. The Contender and Lloyd Bridges in Hot Shot Part Two. And I think the, that was uh, the George there, W. Bush stand-in too. The, cho- the choice there Lloyd. is pretty clear. Lloyd. Lloyd. President Tug Bedson. Great performance. <laughs> 
Well, I think President Tug Benson is a great place to leave. Will, thank you for uh, joining us here to talk movie presidents. Always a joy. Uh, and this bonus will be sandwiched in between two episodes that I will figure out later. So uh, <laughs> hope you enjoyed whatever the last one is and see you at the next one. Uh, goodbye, everyone. <laughs> and see you at the movie. Should we win the day? The 4th of July will no longer be known as an American holiday. But as the day when the world declared in one voice, we will not go quietly into the night. We will not vanish without a fight. We're going to live on. We're going to survive. Today, we celebrate our Independence Day. 